Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, and welcome to Live Dharma Sunday. If you have called in to listen to this morning's broadcast, please note that all lines have been placed on mute to avoid background interference. If you are joining us from either the Bright Dawn Ning site or the Blog Talk Radio site, please note that it is not necessary to call in. If you are experiencing loss of audio or the Blog Talk Radio player is not working properly, please refresh your page and hit the play button once more. It may take a few moments for your browser to complete the buffering process. Once again, welcome to Live Dharma Sunday and enjoy the broadcast. Sunday for April 1st, 2018. Koyo here. So very glad you joined us. <coughs> Easter Sunday. Yesterday, uh, we went to my sister-in-law, Joyce Kubose's home in uh, Fowler, which is about mm, 15 minutes south of Fresno. And uh, this is her her farm that she um, she was raised on as a child. Her parents had this farm, and they had uh, forty acres uh, uh, grapes for raisins, Thompson grapes. And it was over thirty something years ago that um, she and my brother Don uh, took over the farm after their parents passed away. And uh, every year she has certain uh, events, holiday events that she hosts, and she's been doing it all the time, and one is Easter. And so uh, all her, you know, I don't know know how many grandchildren she has now, but um, uh, most of them are young adults. (coughs) And every day, so her... Family uh, gets together, and um, grand her grandchildren um, are in young adults, like I said, and they have they're going to college and they have uh, boyfriends, and so the the extended family is expanding, and it's always so good to see everybody. So Adrian and I went. And uh, uh, the festivities started at 11 o'clock, and then uh, she had a 10 o'clock service for her husband, Don. It was the third calendar year since he passed away, and so it was a nice combination of um, the holiday celebration and then also since the family had all gathered, 
some of her children, you know, traveled from Southern California up and so forth. Um, And so it was a nice occasion to be able to observe Don's third year memorial service and everybody shared memories and so forth. Uh, A home memorial service is very warm and intimate and very, very nice. Um, And then uh, they play, she organizes two games every year. (laughs) And they're so much fun. Uh, of course, the, the you know, of course, the younger kids really enjoy it, but adults participate too. One is a um, uh, egg cracking contest where you get the hard boiled eggs, and everybody gets one, and then you go around to somebody else and you hold your eggs up in your hand and then you hit them together, and wh- whoever's egg cracks is out. <laughs> and then the other person goes around and finds another person, and then they hit the eggs together. And, of course, everybody has a theory, should you use the pointed end or the more rounded end, or should you use the force to go forward and hit, or should you just keep it still and all this. And But anyway, they have a little, a little fun trophy that the winner gets. The last one with the uncracked egg <laughs> wins that trophy. And then the other one is a egg confetti game where they have eggs that were hollowed out and a lot of tiny paper confetti was put in there and and then the whole sealed over and then everyone, uh, then they, these eggs are hidden in the, in the yard and bushes and drain pipes. I found one in a drain pipe. And then you use these confetti filled eggs and you can uh, smash them on other people uh, and it confetti spills out. And so you could, you try to uh, smash it on people's back or something and then you, and if you have a handful of that uh, loosen confetti. You can sprinkle it on their hair, and so everybody looks festive, <laughs> and they have little confetti all over themselves, and everybody just has a lot of fun running, and all the kids are running around and so forth. Uh, <clears throat> and that's a very nice uh, annual gathering, and. On the occasion of Easter, I thought I would do, as I think I have done in the past, read um, an article on Easter that my father wrote, and it's printed in the Center Within, um, and it has a, a, a nice message. Okay, The Center Within uh, has about maybe 60 short articles uh, that we compiled put into this book and this one is called Easter and I'm going to read this article on Easter all Christians throughout the world celebrate the resurrection of Jesus the Christ an individual Jesus became the Christ now I don't know if this idea is traditional theology or not but when Paul Tillich 
lectured at the University of Chicago many years ago, he said, Jesus became Christ. This is the first time that I had heard such an interpretation. It seems to me that we Buddhists have a similar interpretation where we feel that an individual person, Siddhartha Gautama, became Buddha. Uh, Jesus carried the cross up to Calvary. Now, this is very important. Even though he was crucified, he lived up to his true life. He could not be dishonest to himself. Let the rulers of society kill him. In the face of execution, he was unafraid. He had something beyond death. Though he died physically, he did not die. He lived all the more by dying. Our life is something like that. There is something worthy in all of us. It can be called the true self, the Buddha, or Christ. It doesn't matter. Each of us has something to live up to. Compared to this something, death doesn't matter. Confucius said, this physical body is lighter than a single hair of the ox. It is life which has weight. We will give up the physical body for this kind of life. If one finds the way in the morning and dies that same evening, life was worthwhile. One should not be afraid to die. One should be afraid of killing one's own true life. Resurrection means the awakening of this true life. This was Christ's greatness. He accepted all conditions and was never defeated by circumstances. He lived his true life. This spirit has provided great inspiration. And then the last paragraph is, the important thing is to discover what we are and be what we are. Assume responsibility for yourself. Even if the whole world is against you, what of it? No one can really stop your true life. We have to awaken to this life in ourselves. In Christian terminology, this is the resurrection of the Christ in each individual's life. Each individual should become a Christ, just as Jesus became a Christ. This is how I interpret Easter. Um, You know, I remember my father making some comments on this topic, and um, uh, just as Jesus, a man, became mankind, you know, when he became Christ, okay, and in the same way, Siddhartha Gautama, when he became enlightened, became the Buddha, okay, um, enlightened, awakened one, the enlightened, awakened one, you know, uh, he transcended his historical self and became something universal, okay. And in the same way, you see, when uh, <clears throat> this interpretation of Easter, uh, and this article says, you see, each uh, this holiday of Easter is not just about historical event in faraway country so many years ago, but it's about one's own life right now, and that if one doesn't seek his own spiritual resurrection, and for Christian to 
seek and Christ spirit okay within oneself okay then Easter does not have any spiritual significance okay and then this reminds me of in the Bud- this parallels the Buddhist case of uh, April 8th which in the Mahayana tradition is celebrated as um, the Buddha's birth okay and as the story goes, um, uh, Maya, the queen, okay, and uh, was going to have the baby and traveling to her home, uh, as was the custom in those days. The um, the mother to be went to her family, and that could provide the support for the newborn. But on the way, she, <laughs> baby's coming. And so she stopped in Lumbini Garden, and, and so this story goes. Um, and since it was April 8th, springtime, in our tradition, uh, at the Buddhist Temple of Chicago, and in many uh, Jodo Shinshu temples, they, they call this uh, Buddha's birthday uh, on April 8th, Hanamatsuri. Hana means flower, Matsuri means festival. So it's a flower festival because his birth took place in Lumbini Garden. All oh, the flowers in bloom. And so they make what they call a Hanamido. Uh, hana means flower, and it's kind of like a, a, um, a little structure about so, so many feet high, and it, it has posts and a roof, and it's covered with you know, uh, fresh flowers decorated. And then inside of it, there's a little baby Buddha. And uh, in a little uh, pond of sweet tea, and then there's a ladle, and then everybody sing, lines up, and then they they pay homage to his birth by taking this ladle full of the sweet tea and then pouring it over the head of the Buddha. And that symbolizes sort of like the sweet, the sweet rain that fell when he was born. And this is a celebratory observation, observance. Okay. Uh, and so we had the uh, Hanamatsuri service uh, beginning of April at the temple. And I remember one year, um, one of our reverends, he was sort of chairing the service. So he was not giving a, a Dharma talk. Uh, for the occasion, but he was chairing the service, and but he gave uh, a simple description during as he moved from one event to another event, or when he was concluding the service and so forth, and he made a, a statement that I thought was a great, a great Hanamatsuri uh, message. Okay. And it, it it parallels the Easter article that my father wrote, and how uh, Christians interpret can interpret Easter, okay, within themselves. And what the Reverend said was, um, let's see, there was something to the effect of, um, if this, if if uh, so. Buddha's birth is not your birth, then this holiday has no spiritual significance whatsoever. 
<laughs> he liked to talk like that. <laughs> but that was just a very simple statement, okay, that he, that he made. And uh, that's uh, stuck with me, okay? That, uh, yeah, this is not a, uh, you know, we can get caught up in all the preparations, all the rituals, traditions of how to celebrate, and, and they make little uh, uh, um, lapel flowers, and it has a little tag on there that says, you know, happy Hanamatsuri, and then, uh, these are handed out and these are, are pinned onto uh, people's clothes. That's what they wear, a Hanamatsuri flower. So there's a lot of uh, preparation that the temple groups have to, have to make for this holiday. Everything's cleaned up and all this. And we might miss the essential, crucial nature of, hey, you know, this is, this is not just a celebration of a historical event of far away so many hundreds of years ago in a foreign land or something, but it has to do with my birth of that spirit within myself and my own life. Okay? That's what it represents. Okay? As the same way that, well, for Christians, so, man, I better get resurrect the spirit of Christ and what it represents. In my own life, that's what this holiday is about. And for Buddhists, well, this is, and of course, you know, there's something that we, we often overlook that this is not really Buddha's birthday. This was Siddhartha Gautama's birth. Okay. Buddha's birth was when he became enlightened on, on December 8th. Uh, but regardless, um, we say it's the Buddha's birth. Okay. And it's when a man became person, historical person, became something universal, huh? you know, and um, uh, and just as Jesus becomes Christ and, and the Holy Spirit okay, is let loose, that force, that spiritual force is, is operating in the world, okay? and in the same way that when Buddha becomes enlightened, becomes the Buddha, then that spirit of wisdom and compassion is let is is manifested in the world. Uh, it has to be part of one's own life too. <laughs> well, I'm getting carried away. Okay, I want to introduce our guest to give us a Dharma glimpse today, uh, Andy Geo, and he was part of our LM1 group. First group started in 2006 and. Received the uh, induction ceremony on uh, May of 2008. So, gee, uh, 10 years have zipped by since uh, he received his induction with uh, two other people at that time. And um, he was living in uh, Wisconsin in the Milwaukee area. Okay. And he has provided us with uh, a recording of his message for today. Bus stop conversation. No sooner did I step off the bus when I was greeted with, Father, Father, would you bless me, Father? She's a half block away on the other side of the street, sitting on a bench outside a grocer's I visit for their selection of tofu and other vegetarian products I like to buy for my youngest son. Okay, me too. Anyway, 
I see her every time I go there, no matter the time of day or weather. It was the dead of winter, in the single digits. Wind wimpin' up something fierce. Even though the traffic's only one way, it takes a few minutes to get to her. Sitting down next to her, I give her the ten spot from my wallet. You give good blessings, Father. Sometimes real good blessings. You sure you're okay with this? Don't have any change, you know. She chuckles, nudging me in the side. You know, I give what I have, and it's only once a week anyway. Why do you call me Father? I ask. The blessing thing I get, and it's pretty funny, but Father? You could be my sister. Imagine that. You having a black sister like me. You are a funny man. Well, see, Father, it's like this. I've known a lot of priests in my time. They always spouting about God and the commandments and my finding Jesus and all, and being complete jerks about it. When they don't know a thing about God or Jesus or anything else like that. You told me once you were a Buddhist, but we talk about the same stuff. You know, those things the priests don't know nothing about. <laughs> and you're a Buddhist. Father's fitting on you, and I ain't changing my mind. With that, we both laugh. Our steamy breath condensing in a dance. Drifting in circles here and there until it's all taken in by that one-way street in the middle between us and the bus stop. I haven't seen her the past two months, and I wonder. I hope. I sat at the same bus stop the other day. It was too quiet. Dang. I grabbed my latest read out of my book bag. The bus app tells me I just missed it, so it'll be another 15 minutes or so, and no one else is around. The book I'm reading, it's a modern translation of the Shobogenzo, a collection of teachings by the 13th century Buddhist monk Dogen. Though parts of it pertain to how a monk should live and act and be a good Buddhist, it mostly concerns ordinary people like me. The book is by Brad Warner. Funny, punkish, but to the point. Bad titles his book of that advice. Don't be a jerk. Thanks for listening. Have a good day. <laughs> and don't don't be a jerk. Well, you know. <clears throat> I always remember a article where. Uh, teacher giving the Dharma talk and as he was talking uh, he thought to himself you know uh, uh, the teachings that I'm sharing and everything are just common sense you know, we, we might call it a Dharma talk or Buddhist teachings but they're just about how best to live life you know and when you think about the pragmatism of uh, traditional Buddhist teachings in the Four Noble Truths and the Eightfold Path, uh, you know, right speech, right livelihood, right understanding, um, right effort. When we 
translate this into individual's life, human life. It doesn't matter what culture, what what time frame. Uh, you know, humans share this kind of thing about uh, living human life. Okay? And uh, so he thought, gee, I'm, I, I want to be sort of profound, and people expect profundity or some deep, not secret, but some something esoteric kind of a teaching. And it's kind of disappointing when you just hear common sense in a way. Say, hey, is that all? <laughs> have to offer we don't have any uh you know sometimes some buddhists i know you know when we're just talking socially we're saying gee is buddhism offer comfort uh to to people okay isn't it comforting when you think about other religions and other approaches where they you know the they present things that say oh that makes me you know makes me feel better Huh? But when you're just talking common sense, it's not like something special being offered. Okay. Now, whether this could be in the big sense of heaven, okay, or oh, you're living a good life, and you know you're gonna get your just rewards, okay, in an afterlife, okay. Or if you if you're good, then good things, you know, you're gonna be taken care of. That's kind of comforting, okay. But when the teachings are sort of more philosophical, there's a certain, I think, I won't call it a Buddhist knack, but a kind of a perspective or attitude about, because most of the time when people think, oh, some philosophical wisdom or teachings, that it's kind of dry, has no impact. It's not personalized. But I don't see why any common sense thing cannot have personal impact you know um, uh, and if we feel that there's there's this sharing life together you know uh, communality <laughs> calm you know passion uh, share life together uh, that's the most crucial thing. It is not so much. It's something. It is something beyond the, whether it's the sharing the sour or joy. We we want to share joy, of course. We kind of don't want to share sorrow. We don't want sorrow at all. Okay. And of course, if, if it is shared, then it's comforting. Okay. Um, and when the, in the Dharma glimpse, when <laughs> hear the word father. I couldn't help but be have the memory of when my father first started the temple. Buddhist, well, it wasn't even in those days <clears throat> the terminology. Most of the Buddhist churches in America, they were called churches, okay? Buddhist Church of Chicago. And it was only later when they got more uh, settled in that they said, "Oh, you know, church is really a that word is a uh, <clears throat> not a Buddhist term. Okay? Temple is more appropriate." So many uh, churches change the name from say, Chicago Buddhist Church to Chicago Buddhist Temple, but some they didn't change it. You know, they were just used to it. And Buddhist Church of Sacramento, okay, they 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 kept that word church. Uh, you know, so it's not a crucial thing. Okay, but it's interesting historical 
sideline. Okay. So <clears throat> back in the day, on, when our temple started on the as Buddhist Church of Chicago on the south side in the Hyde Park neighborhood, um, a mile or so away from University of Chicago area, and and uh, you know there's a whole story that goes with it where my father uh, came out of the uh, World War II uh, internment camps in 1944, and and many interns were released. They could re- get released early. You know, they didn't know how long they're going to be in these camps, but before the war ended, they could they could be released early out of these camps if they didn't go back to the West Coast, where they where they were, were relocated away from. So they some went out to New York, to Seabrook, New Jersey, certain places, Denver and Chicago was one of them, and so there's a uh, increasing population of Buddhists there, and so. They say, oh, they need, uh, you know, uh, their religious needs to be met and so forth. So um, my father went to Chicago and uh, started the church in October 1944. And uh, as the story goes, he was uh, exploring some place to to have the meeting or gatherings there, you know. And there was an old Lutheran church, I think, on the south side. 5487 South Dorchester, <laughs> and, um, and they had a sign, you know, and it said, for sale. He said, gee, I couldn't afford this. This, uh. And then a man was there. He was a real estate salesman. He said, oh, are you interested? Okay, wait, wait, we can work something out, <laughs> you know. And, and they did. I think um, my father... Got five hundred dollars from his father, okay, Kubose, uh grandfather, and uh, that was part of the down payment. And uh, so they, they, we got this. Uh, 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 that was our first physical church building, and there was a two flat behind the church, uh, and that's where we lived. Okay, um, we lived on the first floor, and then the second floor was rented out. Okay. And uh, that two flat was owned by Anderson Hardware Store, and I remember, you know, so we we were able to buy that, and that's that's where uh, I grew up, okay, all the way through high school, and and as the story goes of those early years, that neighborhood um, was Polish, and. As usual, all the kids are running around, uh, and they would call my father. Says, "Oh, Father, Father Kubowski. <laughs> you know, they made made him a father, and they made him kind of Polish. Okay, say, hey, Father Kubowski. Okay, and my father always used to say, "Yeah, he just loved to interact with the neighborhood kids, and even when they're rascals, uh, no, that's kind of a euphemistic word, I guess, for you know." Uh, hoodlums or gangsters or, or gangs, you know. Uh, gangs have always been around in the inner cities and, and the Dorchester gangs. and But it's, it was different than the more modern gangs. More, you know, in, in, in the early 50s, uh, uh, there wasn't as much drugs or, or crime in the sense that serious crime, armed robberies and things um, in that neighborhood. Okay, But they they were that was their social way 
social cliques and, you know, Dorchester gangs and these tough guys and everything. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> but he always says, well, even when they're rascals, okay. I, and, and then he, we would, uh, he would still befriend them and not be enemies with them. Okay. Um, so, uh, <laughs> I brought back that memory when it was, and in many, I don't think Buddhist tradition traditionally has what they might call a blessing. Now, I may be mistaken, okay, but usually a blessing is um, uh, the higher power, okay, giving blessing on uh, human beings. Uh, their their needs are such that they say, well, I want to receive the protection or good wishes of, well, deities. Okay? And this goes way back from, you know, primitive times when uh, humans were, uh, had to struggle to live, you know, find something to eat, find shelter, and they didn't understand what thunder and lightning was or why does it rain, you know, or, and, and so maybe all kind of rituals developed, okay? primitive nativistic religions and so forth. And I think this idea of protection or petitionary prayers or asking for a blessing, okay? so when we say bless me means it, it's kind of a superstitious activity that says, you know, protect me from future bad things, okay? And so it's kind of like uh, fulfilling its prophecy. You're saying, well, I wish you, I wish, I wish you to give you best wishes and so forth. Nothing bad will happen and, and so forth, okay? Um, but, but we do have what we call blessings to meet, you know, human, human nature, but but I don't want so we don't want to have we don't deny it. People's answering people's needs when we say give a Buddhist blessing. Somebody's gonna congregation member is gonna start a new business or a baby blessing, a house blessing, and all of this. Um, but what I do, and of course, Buddhism is is, is very you know natural laws and doesn't cater to superstitious beliefs. Okay. It shouldn't. Okay. Uh, sometimes some ministers, as I heard, they they go overboard to meet the people's needs in in, in a not very good way. For example, I've heard stories like uh, a congregation member wants to bless their car. Got bought a new car, so it's old oh, minister. Okay, they have a little ceremony, light some incense, chant a sutra, ring some bells, and okay, you know bless your car, and then she had an accident the next week. And then she goes back to the minister and says, hey. And then, now I, I heard this is a true story, but I don't know. Then the minister said, oh, I didn't know you wanted an accident prevention blessing, but then I would have, you know. <laughs> you know, that's not to be encouraged. Uh, uh, and then, it's, well, anyway, so, Whenever I do a blessing, my what I think is the appropriate Buddhist 
interpretation is that you're already blessed. Okay, you're starting a new business or a new baby. Uh, you're acknowledging the karmic influences that that gave rise to this event, whether it is a new business venture, okay, house, new, you know, new house, okay, new baby. That all the karmic influences that came together to give rise to this, we acknowledge this. So, you know, uh, this good fortune. And by doing that, then we're much, you know, we have a right understanding of of all the things that that happen. That a lot of it is not our doing. It's just, you know, you, some, whether you're born into a certain family, whether you're born in a certain neighborhood, whether you're born in a certain country, you know, these, these are just the things that you didn't have any choice about, okay? But there are factors, yeah? and so I, this is a, I, I, I was talking about a Buddhist interpretation of Easter, uh, getting into a Buddhist interpretation of blessings. That's all for today's broadcast. Till next time, hey, keep going, and you have a beautiful day. Thank you.